today another word I want to give you for this, the series today is the word implementation. That is, how do we go about becoming the church in this world? How do we go about day in and day out living out what Jesus Christ has called us to? So if you would take your Bibles or whatever you've got the Bible downloaded on, go to the book of Acts, the first chapter. I, I want to read to you how this New Testament church began to implement what God had called them to be. Acts 1 and 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the Word of God tells us that we are to implement God's kingdom. In other words, that we are God's witnesses to the world. Uh, we are not called to witness, now watch the difference there, but to be witnesses. See, there are a lot of people who feel like they're called to witness, and so they're always telling everybody everything. Have you ever had people, I, I remember a, a while back, the guy knocked on our door, and, and, and it was on a Saturday, and, and you don't ever bother people on Saturday, right? I mean, that's a one day a week you don't want to be bothered. And there's a knock on the door, and Sherry goes to the door, and I was in the back part of the house, and, and, and I heard this guy, and, and, and he was out witnessing. And, and uh, he, he asked Sherry if, if she was saved, and she said yes. And he said, well, where do you go to church? And she said, well, my pastor, uh, my pastor, hi. Well, I am her pastor. Uh, my husband pastors Love and Truth Church. It didn't slow him down. I mean, he went for 20 minutes trying to get her saved. And she was so kind, I would have blessed him and shut the door. Anyway, uh, you, you know, the, 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 word, <laughs> the, the Word of God does not call us out to go and witness. The Word of God calls our lives to be witnesses. And so God gave us some different things in Scripture. When we begin to study the Word of God, we find that there are some different, thing God, different things that God calls us to. Now, I'm not going to touch all of them this morning, but I want to talk about five different things that God tells us that we are and how that we are to impact our society and how that we really are to implement uh, following Jesus fearlessly in every aspect of life. So would you look in the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, and verse 13. The first thing that I want to talk about today is that he says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, let me explain to you and listen carefully. God has called you to be salt. Now, that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? Well, why, why would God call me to be salt? Why would God 
salt, what's, what good is that? Well, let's understand the dynamics of who Jesus was talking to. In that day and age, how many of you know they didn't have refrigerators and freezers and ice, right? So everything had to be preserved with salt. So if they kill something, meat, was they, they had to preserve it with salt. And, and the salt of that day was different than the salt of our day. Our salt will, you know, last for years and years because we put a few little things with it. That salt in that day, literally after a while, would lose its ability to be salty. And so it would lose it. It looked the same, but it would lose the ability. And so Jesus writing here, or, or talking to us here, and, and the apostle Matthew talking to us and writing this, let us know that in our lives that you and I are called to be salt. Now, what does salt do? Well, salt, first of all, is a preservative. We are called to be a preservative in society. I go real slow. However slow you need me to go. You and I are called to be preservatives. What do I mean by that? It, listen, it's not up to the world to preserve society. It's up to the church to preserve society. It's, it, listen, don't, don't be freaked out when a sinner sins. Well, what, what's so weird about that? I mean, how many of us, we, we see sinners sinning and we go, well, oh, I can't believe they would sin. Hey, a dog barks. A sinner. Come on, work with me. A sinner sins. Why does the church get so freaked out about that? Well, we shouldn't expect anything any different. It's not up to the world to preserve morality. It's not up to the world to preserve God and, and Christianity. It is up to the church. It's up to us. The problem is, is that we, we look the same, but have we lost our ability to preserve? Have we lost that ability to really make a difference in society? You and I are called as Christians not only to be a preservative, salt also brings flavor. When we understand that, you know what? What kind of flavor do you bring to the world? See, our lifestyle is about being a preservative and about flavoring. Are we really preserving society? Are we really making a difference where society goes, you know what, if those Christians weren't around, things would be really bad. But because Christians are here, they're preserving the society. It's, it's interesting when you study history. When you study history from the time of the church age, uh, where the apostle Peter there on the day of Pentecost brought the church into existence, opened the door, to the day that we are in now, when you find Christianity, Christianity is always moving. Christianity is always in flux. It never stays the same. Uh, if you study other religions, if, if you study Hinduism, it's basically an Indian religion. If you study uh, the Muslim faith, it's basically an Eastern, uh, a, a Near Eastern religion. But if you study Christianity, Christianity moves. Christianity does things. Christianity, if you study it, uh, moved out of, of the process of, of Israel and moved into Europe. Europe became kind of a hotbed for Christianity. And then over the years, America became the real focus of Christianity. But guess what? We're not the focus anymore. Well, you didn't like that, did you? Do you know that, that somewhere they're telling us that only about 20% of Americans go to church faithfully? 20% of Americans. 
But what you find happening is now is that there is a movement of Christianity into South America and into Africa. Why? Because Christianity in its truest form always flavors the society that it's in and it makes things different. Our problem, can I say this and move on? Our problem is, is that when we get to the point that we have eaten so much so long and we're so full, nothing tastes good. And so in our Western society, we have been so blessed of God. We have had so much given to us. We have had so many things poured out on our lives that no longer do we understand the process of being salt to our society. And all of a sudden, God says, okay, I can move this because I am going to have a church when I come back that the Bible says is going to be without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. Secondly, Matthew 5, verse 14, goes on to say, he said, not only are you salt, he said, you're also light. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp or put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The second thing we're called to be is light. We're called to be salt, which is a preservative, but we're also called to be light. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to have some light. I'll go up and down the hall sometimes in, in the office, and, and a lot of times the, the staff members will be in there, and they'll be in their office, and all they've got on is their computer, and everything else is off. And I just tell them that, that men like darkness because their deeds are evil. They go, oh, pastor, I just, you know, whatever. I like, I, I don't like my, when I'm in my office, I got every light in there on. I got the, the windows open. I like light. I don't like darkness because I've stumped my toe too many times in darkness. Amen? What, what is the deal with your little toe and your biggest piece of furniture? <laughs> right? And, and it's like somebody moves it during the night. I don't know who does that. Some of you would have great theological revelation for that, I'm sure. But, but it's, it's like you get up and there's no light and, and your foot connects, right? And you find out real quickly how saved you are. Because <laughs> words start coming back that you shouldn't say and thoughts and ideas. Why? Well, because just a little bit of light, it, it, it helps you. How many of you have ever used your cell phone as a light? All right, I did it this morning. I came in, it was still dark, and, and I was coming into the auditorium, and I couldn't see as I came down the hall, and so I, I clicked my phone. And guess what? It wasn't a lot of light, but it, it was enough light that I didn't run into the wall. See, each and every one of us are called to be light in the situation that we are in. You're not called necessarily to be an evangelist who goes around the world winning people to God. But you are called to be a light in the place where God has you. Now here's the thing about light. Light helps to expose what is in darkness. Alright? So if there's something bad in darkness, light exposes it. And so sometimes you'll show up in somebody's life and they won't like you. Right? And it's not because you walked in, uh, you know, with a Bible tucked under your arm and said, holy, holy, holy. All right? It is because you have this light that's inside of you. 
And because this light is inside of you, it exposes things in their life that they would rather not see. And so you have to understand that and don't be upset because at times that the light and the, and the darkness kind of have this interplay that's, that's not real fun at times because God has given you light to bring and to expose the darkness. But, but the other aspect of light is, is that light helps you to find what is lost. If you've ever lost anything and, and you didn't know where to look and all of a sudden you got the flashlight out and you got down and looked under the bed or you looked under the couch or wherever you thought and all of a sudden you say, oh, there it is. It, it's because the light brought in that which was lost. You and I are called to be a light into the world. Now that light's not just to go in and show everybody what they're doing wrong. That light is so that you and I can reach that which is lost and bring it into the kingdom of God. Now I want to tell you, the kingdom of God is about reaching the lost. I don't miss it. It's about touching the lives of people. It's about bringing people into fellowship and into relationship with God Almighty. And so you and I have got to come to that place where we understand we're called to be light, but that light is to help other people to come into the light so their lives can be changed. The third aspect that we're called to be is we're called to be seed. The Word of God talks about, in the book of Matthew, it talks about the sower that goes forth to sow seed. You and I, the Scripture says, have been given uh, the, the, the power of a seed. Now here's what's great about seed. Seed has the power of reproduction. In fact, watch this. If you want to know if things are in order or not in the kingdom of God, if it is reproducing, it's in order. God gave the ability to everything he created to reproduce. And I won't go far here, but I want you to listen. Listen between the lines. If it cannot reproduce, it's not in alignment with God's word. So when we understand that in our lives, then we need to say, wait a minute, am I reproducing who I am and what I am? Is there something happening in my life that is out there? And you know the thing about seed is seed isn't just about, in other words, a farmer doesn't go out and, and he's going to plant, uh, you know, butter beans. He doesn't take one butter bean, put it in the ground and say, boy, I, I hope I get a butter bean back at the end of the year. Right? How many of you know he would be pretty stupid? if that's all he was getting. He, he believes that he is going to have a harvest. He believes that he puts one in and he's going to get hundreds back. That's what God has called us to do. The, the Word of God lets us know that we, we are seed and you and I have been called to that place where we reproduce not just who we are, but there's a reproduction in our lives of more than we are. The Bible says that when you get to before God, that you are to have sheaves to lay before his feet. In other words, that you are to have some things that have been reproduced in other people's lives that they can come before God and they can say, because of that person, my life has reproduced and been better for the kingdom of God. If you are not, and I'll say this and move on, if you are not reproducing yourself, then you are not fulfilling the mandate that God has on your life. Listen, it's not enough just to come to church. Well, I'm a Christian because I go to church. No, just because you're in the building does not make you a Christian. I mean, just because you go stand out in your garage does not make you a Ford. Really? 
well, I go to church. No, no, no. If, if I'm going to be a believer, then I need to be reproducing who I am in the life of someone else, making an impact and making a difference in their lives. The fourth thing that the Word of God tells us is found in the book of 1 John, uh, toward the end of the, of the New Testament there. The book of 1 John, chapter 3, verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So the fourth thing that I'm called to be today is that I'm called to be a child of God. We are children of God. Now that means that we ought to reflect our Father. Amen. Have you ever seen somebody and, and you didn't know who they were but just by seeing them, you say, that's got to be so-and-so's kid, right? I mean, a while back, uh, my son was somewhere, this few years back, with a, a youth group somewhere, and, and this, they were out in a van, a load of people, and somebody saw him who I knew when I was about his age, and she emailed Sherry, and she said, that had to be your son that I saw today was in Missouri or somewhere. She said, because he looked just like his dad. Well, and I don't know if Zach was happy about that, but anyway... Uh, the, the process is in life is that we, we can look at, at family members and we go, oh, th that's whose family you're a part of. It's the same way in our lives. You and I, we need to reflect our Father. We, we need, the Bible says that when He appears, we're, gonna, we're going to be like Him. Wow. I don't want to get too convicting here, but are there ever moments in your life where you really don't want anybody to know you're his child? Come on, if you've, if you've raised children past the age of, I don't know, three, there are moments that you really don't want anybody to know that you're a child right then. Come on. I mean, you're in the restaurant, and they don't get what they want or you're in the shopping mall and they don't get what they want and they start blessing the whole world. And you, you just want to look around and say, not my kid. I wonder how often, I, I don't want to get too personal here, but I wonder how often God looks down at some of my actions and goes, he's not mine. Somebody else can have him. See, I... I now, the great thing about God is His love and His mercy are far beyond our mess-ups. But it's needful for us to understand that we've got to come to that place where as children of God, that we are walking in obedience to Him. And you know what? In our lives, there's this whole aspect there of obedience that nobody likes. Again, with your children. There are things you tell your children, and they don't like it. I mean, you've told your children, okay, you can play here, but don't go over there. Guess where they want to go? They want to go where you told them not to. I mean, you can give them a fenced-in backyard, but say, don't leave the yard. Guess what they're going to do? Why? Because there's that rebellion that's bound up in our lives. And so we've got to come to that place as we live in Christianity that we say, you know what? I need to look at how my life is reflecting God. 
can people see me and see my good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven? I mean, am I living in such a way that the Scripture says that people are going to come to you and ask you of the hope that lies within you? Is there enough Christianity inside of you and your lifestyle shows it so much that other people come to you and say, I don't know what it is about you, but I really want what you have. It's a hard thought sometimes, isn't it? To know that we are called as children of God. We're called to reflect His glory. We're called to reflect His image. But if we will live our lives pursuing that, trying that, then we can begin to see the glory of God being settled upon our lives. And here's what's great about God, is that the Bible says that in your weakness, He becomes strong. In, in that area of suffering, in that area of trouble, is where God becomes strong. Then 2 Corinthians 5 says this, and we'll close with this, verse 18 through 20, All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Now, I don't know if any scripture you've heard today has got your attention, but that one should. God is not counting your sins against you. And he has committed to us, to his church, the message of reconciliation. So in other words, watch this, and I'll, I'll give you the, the deal here, but... You and I are not called to beat up on people. The, the Word of God doesn't tell you to stand on the street corner and scream at people about how horrible they are. The Word of God doesn't tell you to stand up and tell everybody where they're going. The Word of God says you've been given the message and the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In other words, as ambassadors, we're saying, hey, would you be reconciled to your heavenly Father? Would you come into Him? And so here's the fifth thing that you and I are called to do. If we're going to implement the kingdom of God in this day and age in which we live, we have got to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting when you begin to understand what an ambassador does. An ambassador does not walk in his own authority or her own authority. They walk in the authority of the country that sent them out. So if you're from, you know, a, a, watch this, if you're from a podunk country, you, you carry a little bit of weight, but you don't carry a whole lot of weight. Right? I mean, if you're from Lithuania... So what? But if you walk in and you're from China or you're from the U.S., everybody takes note. Why? Because you are not coming in your authority. You're coming in the authority of the country you represent. We don't come in our own authority. We come in the authority of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We come in the authority of Jehovah God Almighty, who is and was and is to come. 
We come in that authority and we walk in that today. And so when we come into the courts of the enemy, when we come into the courts of the world system, we should not come in in fear and in trembling. Because here's what you find about ambassadors. Ambassadors are not supported by the country they are in. They are supported by their home country. Now watch. If, if you are representing America in a third world country and they don't have uh, all the amenities that the U.S. has, then what you do is, is that you tell the home country, I'd like some Coke, Coca-Cola by the way, I have to clear that up sometimes, I, I'd like hamburger, I'd like whatever, and they will bring it to you in a diplomatic pouch that can't, watch this, that cannot be opened by the country that it comes into because they don't have authority over that. You are being taken care of by your home country. Some of you need to understand this. You need to quit looking at this world's system to take care of you. You need to quit looking at the government. You need to quit looking at a political party. You need... You need to quit looking at a, at a legislative body. You need to quit looking at the Supreme Court. You need to start understanding that your support, your help, your sustenance comes from God Almighty, and He can bypass everything that's on this earth to get it to you. And when you understand that, you begin to live at a different level. No longer are you fearful because, watch this, not only does he take care of you, but also his army backs you up. The army of the home country. That's why when you go by the embassies, wherever they are, there are Marines standing there, and they've got machine guns, and if you try to come on that property the wrong way, they will take you out. Right? I mean, in Kenya, after the, the uh, bombing a few years back, they have made it now that the U.S. Embassy, they will not, I've had my driver take us by when we've been there, and he said, Pastor, I can take you by, but I can't slow down. He said, because if we slow down, if we even act like, he said, they'll come out and surround us, and we don't know what will happen. Why? Because they are protected not by the country that they are in, but they are protected by the country that they came from. You and I don't walk in the authority of this country. We walk in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, whoever liveth in the heavenlies to make intercession for us. So we're ambassadors, and we go forth in power, and we go forth in authority. We should never take the, the low road. We should never duck our head and act like we're second class. We are the children of the Almighty God, and He has given us His power and His anointing, and we need to act like Him. And so if we would approach life as ambassadors, knowing that we are showing up on behalf of one who was before time began and will be when time is no more, then all of a sudden, all of the earth will begin to take note of the church. And we will not have to wonder, is the world going to be impacted by the church? We will begin to see that we are implementing the kingdom of God. When you study the New Testament, what you find is this is that they began on the day of Pentecost, a very small group of 120 people. But as they began to implement the kingdom of God, on that day, 3,000 more are added. A little bit later, 5,000 more are added. 
Then it says, and multitudes were added. Then it says, and myriads, which are tens of thousands, were added. And then you keep reading, and here's what it says. And it says, these are those which have turned the world upside down. I challenge us today to begin to implement the kingdom of God. Let's be salt. Let's be light. Let's be these things I've talked about today. And as we are, then we will begin to see our world turned upside down for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God because that's what we're called to do. And that's who we are today. And that's how we need to live. Amen?